0: Hola, mi gente. Bienvenidos. I'm your host, Lore, and this is Creepy Chisme. Some stories and info are not suitable for all, especially young children. Listen at your own risk. Hola mi gente, it's your girl Lore. And welcome back to another episode of Creepy Chisme. I hope you guys like the new entrance song, you know, I wanted to change it up a bit. Last time it was a little creepy, a little too creepy, you know. Uh, I changed it up, let me know what you think. If you hate it, I'll go back to the other one. But so far so good. A lot of people have noticed that it changed, so I know y'all are listening. I am that type of person that rearranges her bedroom all the time and her furniture all the time. Yeah, my ex-husband hated that because he did not like change. You know how people do like spring cleaning? Well, that was my spring cleaning. I would have to move everything to get in every little nook and cranny. And that's how I would clean. That's how I know my room is really clean. So, unfortunately, now I have a really big bed. I can't put it many places. So, once in a while, I'll just move it to clean, but... Yeah, it's kind of stuck where it is. Anyway, uh, how are y'all doing? It has been two weeks since I last talked to you. And as much as I enjoy the freedom that I have in those two weeks to take my time, research things I really, really enjoy, I miss you guys. I miss sharing my daily life or my weekly life with you. I feel like so much happens in two weeks that I don't even know what to tell you, you know? But yeah, dating is rough. There's nothing I miss about being in a relationship. Nothing at all. I mean, I like being selfish. I like that freedom of not having to think of somebody else. And you know, this is probably the reason why I don't want kids either. I'm too selfish. Oh well, (laughs) whatever. And the reason I brought up dating in the first place is because is because a lot of these true crime stories have to do with women, most of the time, going to meet a stranger, and then they end up in a garbage can or a ditch. And (laughs) I have spent many years, I told y'all I started getting really into true crime because my anatomy teacher would show us forensic files. Like I would sit there just like in awe. This is amazing, I wanna be a forensic scientist. But then my teacher was like, look, Let's be serious here, like you're not that smart. He really told me that. Between him and my counselor telling me I wasn't good enough for university, okay. Then they wonder why I'm so damaged today. But yeah, that's where I fell in love with true crime and then after high school, uh, it was about twenty thirteen, twenty fourteen 2014 when I really picked up just watching forensic files on TV unsolved mysteries, all that stuff. I love it, but it just amazes me at how dumb people are sometimes. And I'm not saying it's their fault, you know? I'm not saying it's their fault, but why are you gonna go meet a stranger? (laughs) No, 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 ladies, be careful, please be careful. Always share your location. That's something I've learned in the new dating world. Always share your, your location. Always tell someone where you're going, who you met. Don't do it secretly. So anyway, I have a great story for you today. And I know I say this every single time, but y'all, y'all, I have been talking up this story to my two best friends so much because this story is so crazy and I'm so excited for y'all to hear it. It is a web of lies, which is why I've called this episode Web of Lies because (laughs) there is nothing I hate more in this world than a fucking liar yes and and not just I'm not talking about a white lie like oh Lorena did you brush your teeth today (gasps) yeah and I didn't you know I'm talking like oh I don't even know because I I, (laughs) I don't even know because I can't stand when people lie especially when they're bad at it you know what I'm saying like people that are really bad at lying, they don't even realize how bad they are at lying and they'll legit tell you some shit you want. they think you wanna hear. Or is it just me? Is it a Pisces thing? Like I can tell when people are lying. I know, I know when they're lying and it's always just, and this is why I don't trust people. Oh my goodness. <laughs> y'all probably think I'm just like, I am ranting, I'm sorry y'all. Let's get right into it. But before we get into that, It's not just me today, y'all. I'm actually gonna get to have conversation. I'm so excited. My best friend's joining me today. Unfortunately, the other one couldn't, but I'll get him next time. My best friend from Texas, Regina. So let's go. All right, so I have Regina here all the way from Texas. Hello, Regina.
1: Howdy. <laughs> Howdy. <laughs> yes. No, I, I want everyone to know that I'm from the Midwest and I live in Texas now. But so she
0: hates the snow. I don't
1: want anyone to think, like, the wrong impression of me, you know.
0: <laughs> but to be fair, you have picked up the Texan accent.
1: No, don't say
0: that. Yes, you have. Yes, okay, I have. like to
1: say y'all, but that's about it. But so
0: do I, and I don't even live in Texas. I I love saying y'all. <laughs> and I think I picked it up from you, but I <laughs> I say y'all all the Did I say it in high school?
1: No, you used to say use guys.
0: <laughs> yes, I did. I did.
1: I think use we guys. all said use guys.
0: I that's a Mexican thing though. I don't think that's a Midwest thing, is it? If you're from the Midwest, do you say use guys?
1: (laughs) I just remember your mom saying it a lot. Yeah, and And that's where I got it from. But it also sounds very, like, Goodfellas, like, mob type of use guys.
0: Oh, really? Oh, my God. Forget about it. I don't know. Forget about it. So, (laughs) my brother and I grew up in the same house, right? But sometimes I'll catch him. Yes. (laughs) But sometimes I'll catch him saying, like, a real heavy Chicago accent and I'm like whoa do I have that cuz he's got it really strong
1: yeah I can hear it sometimes with the O's and mm-hmm, the A's. mm-hmm.
0: so then okay. I'm just like wait do I sound like that
1: I think you have like you sound southern sometimes
0: I do I yeah. I think in another life I definitely was southern can yeah, I believe it. Because it just comes out of me. My friends used to laugh when I would get drunk. I would become like a southern belle. Like, <laughs> it's so weird. It's just in you. It's in your soul. It is. And and I don't... I really don't know where it picked up y'all. But I say it all the time. Even at school. And I'm like, oh, I shouldn't say that. It's
1: a great word. I love
0: it. It is. It is a great word. All right. I am so excited to share this story with you today. Because... It's wild, which I already prepared you and told you this because it's so wild. It is so wild that I started, as I was researching it, I started making a web because I started getting confused with, (laughs) (laughs) but then like it got too confusing that I stopped making the web and I had to concentrate on what I was writing. So hopefully you can keep up and I'll try to take it as slow as I can so everyone can keep up but you okay. really have to pay attention guys because there's a lot going on and i'm not kidding but before we get into the story of this episode i always do an update or talk about an article i found or something just interesting that caught my attention this week or last week since i'm doing bi-weekly now and i found one it's from mirror.co.uk and it was an article written by julia Bannim. And it is about, well, let me just read you the title. The title of this article, which is a really long title, it says, I'm a forensic psychologist, and I'm amazed how many people are actually psychopaths. So, of course, it caught my attention. Mm Because who doesn't love a good psychopath? So, (laughs) and not just that, like, I absolutely love psychology. I love studying it. I love learning about it. The human mind is a great thing. Agreed. Yes,
1: yeah. that's why it was my major.
0: I was gonna say I thought it was your major. Okay. Yeah. I might. I might do that too. So I read this article that says that an unnamed individual recently took to Reddit. Gotta love Reddit. Um, they have a sec- Or they have a thing called Ask Me Anything forum. So this person stated that. Most recently, they work with patients with severe mental illness. So these patients they work with, they've been committed to the state hospital on an account of the dangerousness of their offenses or to aim to bring them back into society. So they're like, you know, real psychopaths. Now, a lot of people asked crazy questions, you know, there's some weird people out there. But um, most of the people wanted to know if people were born evil or if they become evil by nature slash society slash parenting slash life circumstances, right? And I think we've talked about this before on a previous episode about nature versus nurture. It's always a huge discussion piece. But in this specific article, the psychologist explains that they believe that both are true. So okay, I can see that. yeah, so they went on to explain the difference. First of all, between a psychopath and a sociopath. If you don't know, do you know? Do you can you tell the difference? Uh,
1: a psychopath and a sociopath. Uh, I feel like I used to know the difference.
0: So by definition, a psychopath is someone um, born that can actually have a neurological issue that causes them not to be able to empathize with people. Uh-huh. Whereas a sociopath is not necessarily born with the behavior, but more so they are a product of their environment. Okay. Now, sociopaths, I don't know if I've talked about this before, but honestly, sociopaths scare me more than psychopaths because sociopaths can still empathize and learn how to show emotions and they can build connections but they are antisocial deep down inside
1: i feel like sociopaths also can mask who they really are sometimes yes and they hide it better
0: yes and it could be years you know like somebody i've read lots of stories including probably one of my own but like i married a sociopath right And they don't realize until years later because they're really good at hiding it. But in the end, they're antisocial and they don't really care about your feelings. So I guess that's the difference between psychopath and sociopath. But here's where the doctor says that they believe that psychopaths can still be created by both. So for instance, serial killers, right? They're not born to kill, but they become that because of their environment most of the time. -hmm so that's why most serial killers have come from traumatic past If you look back into that you'll notice that they had a pretty rough upbringing
1: yeah I I see like many serial killers they always have some initial it's like the, their villain origin story right yes so and it I feel like a lot of them have like mommy issues, especially the male, serial killers
0: mommy issues definitely Mm -hmm. but I've heard some that have had daddy issues but you're right most of the time it is mommy issues I hate genderizing this but like the mothers always looked at to be the nurturer right so if you don't have your mom or your mom is not present or you don't have a mother figure then you're missing that
1: nurture part right okay I, I can see that
0: I don't know (laughs) that's why this is such a great discussion piece because it does i I agree with the psychologist though it is both it is both because yes you can be born and labeled a psychopath but she's or he or she is right like you don't like you don't just you're not just born and you're like oh i gotta kill (laughs) like you learn it from somewhere or you build up that anger or you become numb Something something makes you that way.
1: If you haven't watched the show Most Evil, um, it came on, like, I feel like 10 years ago. But this guy, I think he was, like, a psychologist or something. He would rank serial killers on who was the most evil. And I watched a lot of the episodes, and, like, they all had, like, the same pattern. Like, their father was either not present or abusive mother was abusive or not um, loving and they like killed animals when they're little like they all had some type of pattern that led to them you know being a serial killer
0: yes i agree i agree the psychologist then goes on to say that psychopaths are all around us they are professors they are ceos they are doctors they are successful people and they still live pretty normal lives so this is the part of the article that I was just like, whoa. <laughs> because the word psychopath is scary, right? It's scary. We, we see it in movies and stories. Mm-hmm. The psychopath is the serial killer, right? But again, being a serial killer is a learned behavior. Just because you're a psychopath doesn't mean you can't live a normal life and be successful.
1: Yeah. I think there's also, like, an aspect of control and power.
0: Oh, yes.
1: Oh, when you yes. said that, like, CEOs, surgeons, mm-hmm. or, I th- yeah, people in, like, uh, you know, high-powered positions definitely have those tendencies. Yeah,
0: so this is definitely one thing the psychologist does mention in the article, that they they're just so shocked that all these... Medically diagnosed psychopaths are just living normal everyday life and nobody knows it, you know? Mm, scary. (laughs) Yeah, it is scary. (laughs) Um, (laughs) The psychologist then goes on to say after meeting and working with so many, uh, they question in their minds every time they meet someone or interact with someone if they are interacting with a psychopath. I mean, if I went on a date with someone and they expressed that to me that they were a psychopath, I'd end it right there. Like I wouldn't even try. Which is sad, right? I which feel is like
1: most people
0: would. <laughs> exactly which is no one's sad.
1: Gonna take... No one's gonna take that positive.
0: <laughs> but sociopaths are just as scary. Um, I probably would end it too right there. But like, who's gonna say that? Who's gonna say? By the yeah. way, I'm a diagnosed psychopath, or I'm a diagnosed sociopath. I don't know. And, and
1: and there may be many people that just don't understand that they are. I wonder if there's like a a Buzzfeed quiz that'll tell me like, am I a psychopath? No. <laughs> no.
0: Yeah. Like... But I agree. I think there are many people out there that don't know what they have because if you're crazy, not saying crazy in a bad way. But if you have some type of mental illness, sometimes yeah, or, you can't figure it out. Pers-
1: like a personality disorder. Like like exactly. Narcissists don't know usually that they are narcissists.
0: Yes. I forgot about narcissists. Narcissists are Those usually... Those are
1: scary too. They,
0: I, mean, I know. That's what I'm thinking. Because <laughs> <laughs> most of the time, women, I hear stories about like abuse and stuff. Their husbands are narcissists. So... Yeah that's pretty scary too. So yeah, I do agree that although you can tell by your or although you can tell by their brain if they're a psychopath, it is true that the environment does create what we would call an evil psychopath. But I will say, you don't have to be a psychopath to be evil. There are just have- evil people in the world. I think a person can go through enough trauma to become numb to relationships and empathizing. So, I don't know. The mind is a strange thing. That's all I have to say.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Agreed. So yeah, I I definitely the for well the title of that article caught my attention, but I agree with this psychologist. I think it's both, and I've never said that before. I always lean towards nurture.
1: Yeah, I usually do too.
0: Yeah, but but, she, but they're right. I keep saying she because I'm assuming it's a she, but they they never say because they're. Anonymous. But if you're interested in ever reading more, um, the name of the Reddit user is you slash Hippocuda.
1: <laughs> oh, Reddit! <laughs> Love it.
0: All right. Are you ready for this story? Yeah, I'm ready. Woo! All right. Ready. <laughs> so everybody loves a good plot twist, right?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Obviously, my obsession with true crime is no secret. But what I love more than anything is a crime that has closure. But if you're a crime junkie, then you will love a crime story with a good plot twist. And plot twists are not just for the movies. They really happen. And this crime will leave you scratching your head and falling (laughs) out of your seat just like it did me. I watched a few YouTube videos on this and I actually had to watch them like a few times. Just yeah. because I was like, wait, 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 wait. I have to go back to the beginning and then hear it again because, wow. Yeah. <laughs> now, I, yeah,
1: yeah, I have ADD, so you might have to explain it
0: to No, me. you you will, <laughs> your mind will be focused, believe me.
1: Okay, let me go pop my
0: Vyvanse. <laughs> <laughs> what? All right. Now, <laughs> this story I got... Well, I found first from YouTuber Explore With Us, who posts some really cool stuff if you're interested in more stuff like this. And then I did some more research because I was just blown away by the story. So if you like this story, make sure to check out Explore With Us for more crime stories. So here we go. So this first case, well, not this first case, this case is a little crazy and it's a web, which is why I've decided to call this episode web of lies and I hate liars (laughs) but I promise um I'm gonna do my best to explain it as best as I can now here we go let's just get right into it So we start with Sharon Marshall. Now Sharon Marshall was a young and beautiful girl. She actually was a Lieutenant Colonel in the ROTC program and just very intelligent. In 1986, Sharon graduated and earned a full scholarship to Georgia Institute of Tech. Now she had a big dream. She wanted to study um, what is it called aerospace engineering uh, with a dream to work for NASA. That was her goal. So she was really smart uh, to have a dream that big. But Sharon never made it to college. And the sad part was she had received a full ride scholarship, like I said. And she still didn't go. Why? Right? Why did she not go? She had this whole future. Like, she could have had her dream. But Sharon had a secret. She was pregnant. She was actually pregnant at her graduation. Um, I was going to say, like,
1: was she she like 18? Yeah. Okay.
0: Well, yeah, you're 18 when you graduate, right?
1: Yeah, sometimes you can be 17. Yeah. Okay, proceed.
0: (laughs) So, she was actually... So, she was pregnant during graduation, and she never told her boyfriend... And she hid it from everyone. So she ends up giving birth and gave the baby up for adoption to a lovely, wealthy couple from Texas. So her baby was gone. Now, after having her baby, Sharon felt as if her life was pretty much over for her. Which is sad because she could have tried to go to school still, but she didn't. Mm -hmm. So giving up her baby, she was probably suffering from depression and... Just going through it. I mean, she lost her scholarship, she lost her baby, her dream career, Yeah. so it's a lot. Now, eventually, she moves away to get a fresh start. Um, She ends up moving to Florida with this man that pops up out of nowhere named Franklin Delano Floyd. Now, even though she's living with this mysterious man, she starts dating another guy. And guess what? She gets pregnant again. And she hides it from boyfriend number two.
1: Dang, fertile myrtle.
0: (laughs) So here's the weird thing, though. She keeps this baby. It was a little boy. And she names him Michael Marshall. And she ends up raising this little boy with the man she's living with, Franklin Delano Floyd. I know it's wild, but let's keep up. Now let's talk about this man she's living with. Now no one actually knew if Sharon was romantically involved with Frank or what the situation was. It was complicated. Now regardless of their relationship though, they both provided for the little boy financially. But Frank had back problems and sometimes he just couldn't work. I think he was like a painter so when he had back issues he wouldn't work. So they started to struggle a little bit financially and Sharon did what she had to do in order to make money and fast.
1: Mm-hmm. Any guesses? Mm, she made the malice and sold them on the corner. <laughs> uh, she's white. <laughs> but but maybe it was it was she was on a corner probably.
0: But... <laughs> Almost, she becomes a stripper at a club. Okay. Remember, she's a beautiful, Respectful. beautiful. She really is a beautiful girl. So she becomes yep. a stripper, fast, easy money. And at the same time, they're collecting these welfare checks to help them support the household. Now, as a stripper, you get cash money most of the time. And so it's easy to collect welfare checks if you don't claim your income, which is exactly what Sharon did. Now, Sharon was really liked by all of her co-workers and her friends at the club. And she had become very close to an 18-year-old girl who was also a dancer. And her name was Cheryl Now, Cheryl, she was almost, I guess you could say she was her best friend because she would come over all the time and hang out with Sharon. Now, people noticed that Cheryl and Frank would argue a lot. Uh They would disagree like almost all the time and just bicker with each other. But there was some chisme that Cheryl, the friend, and Frank had a fling once upon a time. But huh. the three of them hung out together quite often. So now we have Sharon living with this guy, Frank, who's helping to raise her kid. And now her friend Cheryl is coming around but doesn't like Frank. Supposedly they dated, but we don't know. Nobody, nobody confirmed that. Okay. So one weekend in 1989, the three of them go on a boating trip. Will Cheryl and Frank get into a big fight about what? I don't know. Nobody knows. But after the trip, Cheryl calls social services and she reports Sharon for not rep- uh, for not reporting her true income. Damn, what a friend! But <laughs> I mean, they must have really pissed her off. That's all I gotta say. <laughs> right. So go ahead.
1: Oh no, I was saying, geez. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I mean, they, yeah, something bad must have happened for her to call social services. Because of this, uh, Sharon's welfare checks just get cut and they stop. And so this pisses off Frank. It pisses him off so much that he decides to show up at the club to confront Cheryl. Now, they wouldn't let him in because he was all in an uproar, but Cheryl comes out and she's like, what? And I guess they got into a fight right there in front of the club. And it got really bad to the point that like people started looking like what the hell's going on? And one onlooker even said like he saw Frank punch Cheryl in the face. Wow. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) everybody loves to watch a good fight. You know, like an argument. I had my share of watching fights out the window. But if I ever saw a man hit a woman in the face, I'm definitely calling the police. But apparently this onlooker didn't. Later that evening, Cheryl was claimed to have left her dad's to go stay with a friend because she was so distraught. But her dad says that she never called to say that she made it. And that was not like Cheryl. So her dad ends up calling the police and reports that Cheryl is missing. Of course, the police take their sweet time And they do end up finding Cheryl's car abandoned at the airport a day later. So now they start an investigation. Sharon Marshall and Frank Delano Floyd were both suspects. But nothing ever came of it because they couldn't tie them to it. There was nothing. There was no clues. Nothing. She was just gone. And her case goes cold. So almost immediately after this, Frank and Sharon pick up and leave town. Not suspicious, right? Not suspicious at all. (laughs) So they just take off. Right. Yeah, they're on the run. But as they're on the move, they begin using different names, too. So hold on to your seats, y'all. Frank and Sharon end up getting married in 1989. Okay. Okay. So now, apparently, we see that their relationship is more than just roommates because they're married. They claim that they got married, though, because of her son, Michael. Uh, For security reasons, I guess. How nice. What I haven't said yet is Frank is a lot older than Sharon. I think he's like 20 years older than she is.
1: Jeez. Yeah.
0: But they end up getting married and they end up staying in Tulsa, Oklahoma. So they came from Florida, now they live in Oklahoma. And Sharon, of course, starts dancing again and easily makes friends at work. Now, Frank, on the other hand, was the opposite. He was a mean person, very hostile, and deja vu, he gets into a fight with one of the dancer girls at the club. Now, Sharon had been talking to her friends at the club that she didn't like Frank, she wanted to get away from him, he was abusive, and as, the, as he's fighting with this dancer, the dancer pretty much just shouts, you need to leave him, like he's crazy, and Frank didn't like that. And so he says, if Sharon ever left me, I'd kill her. Zero to 100 real quick Frank. So that's just showing his character how he is awful. But Sharon must have had a really rough time with Frank because she had already been making plans to leave him for some guy she met at the club. Scandalous right? <laughs> now according to friends though Sharon claimed she would have left a long time ago but she was afraid afraid that Frank would do something to her or her son. Now, before Sharon worked up the nerve to leave Frank, tragedy struck, literally struck. Uh One night on the side of the highway, Sharon's body was found unconscious and looked as though she fell victim to a hit and run. So they rushed her to the hospital where she was left in a coma. She was non-responsive and her fellow co-workers would come visit her every day. That is until Frank banished them from the hospital and no longer allowed Sharon to have visitors at all. Now, after five days... (laughs) Yes, yes, I'm telling you, girl, he's crazy. Now, after five days in the hospital, Sharon passes away from her injuries. When Frank is questioned about his whereabouts, he said that he was sleeping at home. Mm, I'm no police officer, but... That's not a very strong alibi.
1: It sounds believable because it sounds like he doesn't have a job or a life. So. I mean, it's true.
0: Yes, that is true. Except,
1: except maybe hurting women.
0: <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I <laughs> I don't know. But um, the banning visitors only made him look a lot more guilty. Now, the co-workers that were visiting Sharon every day before he banned them, they were pretty shocked to find out that shortly after they stopped visiting, she died. Because they said that when they were visiting her, she was actually getting better every day. She was moving, she her injuries looked better. So they were really shocked to hear that she died. So here's the crazy thing. When the doctor examined Sharon's body, he found marks on her body not adding up to being struck by a vehicle. So the doctor rules her death. A homicide. What? <laughs> and did they are
1: they now looking at Frank or Are they
0: even though people assumed Frank was responsible, there was no proof that he could have done it. Remember, this is late 80s. There's not cameras everywhere. Right. Whereas if this were to happen iPhones. now, yeah. So they couldn't find any reason to tie him to it. Crazy. <laughs>
1: He said, no face, no case. Yeah.
0: Now, what happened shortly after Sharon's death was that Frank called the insurance to collect the $80,000 policy he had recently purchased for Sharon. But remember, I said that Frank and Sharon used different identities. Well, Frank had used so many that he didn't even know which one he used to purchase the insurance policy. So after many failed attempts, He finally gives his real name and his real social security number and all the flags start flying. Franklin Delano Floyd was entangled in years worth of crime and lies that he committed. Let's go back to 1962. He was 19 years old and he was convicted of abducting and assaulting a four-year-old little girl. He was set to serve 10 to 20 years in prison for the crime, but he was able to escape a mental hospital he was being evaluated at. Goddamn, he's like Michael Myers. <laughs> Didn't Michael Myers escape the mental hospital? He did. He did. And he stole a car. So, yes, definitely like Michael Myers. <laughs> Real life Michael Myers. Yes. Oh, God. Oh, I got to chill. He stole a car and he took off. And that's not all. The next day, after he escaped, he robbed a bank. But eventually, he was caught... Now, in 1972, he was released, but the idiot didn't wait. Because just a few days after his release, he tried to abduct a woman at a gas station. They did arrest him for this, but Frank was able to post bail. This is one of them cases where, like, he's in and out of jail and they keep letting him out. Right, really bugs me. I do hate that, too. Yeah. Now, Frank decided to skip out on his court date and so a federal warrant was put out for him. So he's in some big trouble now. So this is when he decided to be a criminal on the run, and this also is when he starts using different aliases. Yeah, so he starts using all these different names, different social security numbers. So let's backtrack to when he had to give his full real name to the insurance company to get the $80,000 insurance policy. They were on to him. So the manhunt began, And, of course, Frank did what he knew best, and that was to run. Now, eventually...
1: Oh, I you are going to say, change his name.
0: (laughs) (laughs) He probably did, though. (laughs) But eventually, he was caught uh, in Georgia and imprisoned to serve out his sentence for trying to abduct the woman at the gas station. So, when word got out about his arrest, Sharon Marshall's friends were really excited and happy because they knew in their hearts that He was responsible for their friend's death. So they kind of felt like he was getting what he deserved. It's a wild story. It's a crazy story. But we're not even close to being done yet. So remember Sharon Marshall? She had a son, right? She had a son. His name was Michael. Well, when she passed away, the boy was left with Frank. But when Frank went on the run, he handed the boy over to social services. He just dropped him off. Oh god. So the boy was placed into foster care and put with a very loving family but the little boy who was about four maybe five he had no communication skills and all he knew how to do was scream or moan to get what he wanted or to get attention. Now I can't imagine the life that that poor little kid must have lived or the things he saw but for him to not communicate verbally at age four or five is not normal. Unless there was, like, a cognitive delay, but they don't mention that, so it's pretty sad.
1: Yeah, I would assume, though.
0: Yeah. Now, when Frank took the boy to social services, he claimed to have been his real father. And because of this, once Frank was in jail, he started asking to see his son. So his foster family had to take him for visits. But the family that was fostering the boy claimed that every time they would take him to see Frank, he would cry, he didn't wanna be there, he would give them a lot of trouble. It got to the point where it was so bad that the little boy didn't even wanna go at all. So clearly something was wrong here. So the foster family reported this and they ended up asking for a DNA, uh, a DNA test from Frank. Of course, he was pissed, but he did it, all right. Here comes my i Povich voice. What? <laughs> <Nuddy>. <laughs> when it comes to four or five-year-old Michael Marshall, Frank, you are not the father. Dun, dun, dun. Oh, no. <laughs> but we assume that, right? Because remember, <laughs> she claimed she was pregnant from her boyfriend and then Frank took over. So I wasn't too surprised with that one. So with that... That meant that the child no longer had to go visit him and the foster family kept him from Frank. Good. Oh boy. We're still half we're halfway through, but we're not there yet. So this story is about to get even crazier. Mm, I'm ready. <laughs> September 1994. Frank gets released from prison. Now he only served 4 years for his crimes that he committed, which I feel is absolutely wow. nothing. Yeah. But okay. I don't know. Maybe he was a star prisoner. He got all his gold stars. I don't know. So he's out and he wastes no time. Ugh. <laughs> it just makes me so mad. Oh, God. He starts stalking the foster family housing little Michael. So the family was living in Oklahoma and mm-hmm. Frank wanted Michael back. But he knew that wasn't going to happen because the DNA test proved that he wasn't the real father and had no rights over the child. So Frank devised a plan to get the boy. Oh boy, here we go. On September 12th, 1994, Frank shows up to Little Michael's school and puts on a scene. So he asks to speak to the principal, and after the principal refuses to let Frank see the little boy, he pulls out a gun, and he threatens the principal. Now, I'm not sure what happened at the school, but somehow, they release Little Michael to him. What the? Yeah. And I work at a school, and this is just a no. Like, there are so many people yeah. in the office. Somebody could have called the cops.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I don't know what happened here, but... So as soon as Frank started acting a fool, like I said, I would have been like, somebody hit the call button. I don't know. But he ends up getting the principal to get the little boy. And then he walks out of the building with the principal and Michael. And he tells the principal to get in his car And drive him to a specific area. So they end up driving a few miles away from the school and Frank Mm -hmm. had this all planned out because his truck was where the principal took them. So what he did to the principal was he tied him up to a tree and pretty much just left him there. But he didn't harm him. He didn't shoot him. He didn't nothing. He just left him there. So now Frank's on the run with little Michael and for two months they're just driving around probably using different names. But eventually, Frank is found in Louisville, Kentucky. And they get him. They, they capture him. But police quickly notice that he's alone and there's no sign of the little boy. Aww. So after many ground searches, no clue as to what happened, nothing. They have nothing. So when Frank is questioned by police about Michael and his whereabouts, he responds, quote, It's none of your business where he is. Nor do I care how much any of you in Oklahoma miss him or love him. End quote. Just hearing him say that, you know it's not good. Kind of like, um, it kind of reminds me of like those crazy people that are like, if you can't have him, no one can have him. Right. Which is scary. So, the trial begins and shit hits the fan. Information comes out during this trial that will leave you floored. In 1995... Some skeletal remains were discovered wrapped in vines in Pinellas County, Florida. The body was not immediately identified, but clearly showed that the individual was beaten and shot twice in the head. Later that year, in 1995, a mechanic purchased a used vehicle at a car auction. Inside the truck, he found a very large envelope that had pictures of a woman who had been beaten. Now, there were over 90 photos in this envelope, which is completely disgusting. Yeah. Guess who that truck used to belong to? Frank! (laughs) Yes. Mr. Frank Delano Floyd, who at this time was on trial for the kidnapping of Michael. Now, actually, it wasn't his truck. He had stolen the truck in 1994 and abandoned the truck. So that's why it was on auction. Now they compared the photos to those unidentified remains of the woman they found wrapped in vines and a specific cheek laceration matched the photo to the skull damage. So since they figured out the photos and the truck could be traced back to Frank, then they had a good lead on who the unidentified woman was. They found them to be Cheryl Camesso. Now Frank was charged for kidnapping Michael and with his criminal past, they ended up sentencing him to 52 years. However, even though the trial had a happy ending, little Michael was never found. So he was listed as a missing person. So 52 years, but it wasn't over yet. I had a burp, sorry.
1: <laughs> okay, oh, yeah, I was you were doing a dramatic pause. <laughs> I was waiting. <laughs>
0: oh okay so yes 52 years but it wasn't over because now he's going to be put on trial for the murder of cheryl camesso now he was found guilty and sentenced to death because florida loves the death penalty yeah well
1: i mean i'm glad he's getting at least a good sentence and not oh, being released yes. after two seconds
0: seriously but remember, remember those photos that were found in the truck? Mm-hmm. get, well, sh- Cheryl. Uh-huh, get ready for this. In those photos, some of them were of Frank assaulting a young girl. But just by looking at the photos in comparison to the photos of Cheryl, the photos of the little girl were a lot older. Like, you could tell they were from way back in the day. So they want to find out who this little girl is. So they begin investigating. And unfortunately, they don't figure it out until 2014. So after years of searching for the young girl in the photos, police reveal that the young girl was none other than Sharon Marshall. His wife? Yes.
1: Wait. Yes.
0: What? (laughs) Yes. The little girl in the photos was Sharon Marshall. (laughs) to twist. I told you. I told I'm, you.
1: I'm shook. <laughs> I don't know how to respond to this. Yes.
0: What? What happened? Okay. Now, in order for me to explain, we need to go way back in time before the story even begins. So, when Frank was imprisoned in the mid-1970s, okay. when he was released for that, he found some time in his life of crime to get married. So, he marries a woman named Sandy Chipman. But he married her under one of his aliases, Brandon Williams. And so his wife, she had no idea who he really was. She only knew him as Brandon Williams. Yeah. See, and this is why I can't date people, cuz I can't trust anybody. <laughs> because of stories <laughs> well, like this. See, the thing,
1: the thing is Sandy didn't have Google and YouTube. <laughs> so it, it's it's, it's okay. Hey, you could date.
0: There are some people who are master catfishes out there.
1: That's true. That's it is. True. It's
0: scary. It's scary. It's really scary how easy it is to lie and just deceive people and get away with it. Ugh. Anyway, so he's. So Brandon Williams, that's the name he was going by when he married Sandy Chipman. Now, Frank, aka Brandon, I guess, and Sandy, they had. A less than romantic relationship. And by that, I mean, they got married at a truck stop. <laughs> I mean, that's,
1: what do you mean? They, that's romantic for people in
0: Alabama. Exactly. I no, mean, it's amazing. I'm it's I don't
1: a not want to offend any Alabamans.
0: <laughs> I mean, it's it's unique. <laughs> um, it's definitely unique. <laughs> but Sandy, Sandy wasn't a saint, Now, she had a troubled background and had gotten in trouble with the law a few times. So, match made in heaven, maybe? I don't know. Sounds like it. Yeah. Sandy had four kids when she got married. So, her and Frank took care of the kids together. But what happened was Sandy got in trouble for cashing bad checks and she had to do 30 days in the pen. So, that left Frank slash Brandon in charge of her four kids. Well, after she did her time, Sandy comes out, goes home, and the house is empty, and her kids are gone. So she spends the next few years looking for her kids. Now eventually, she does find two of her girls who had been living with a social service group, but she still was missing her oldest daughter and her oldest son. A few years after that, she finds her son, who was already a grown man, But a DNA test reveals that he was her son. So the older son can remember more than the younger girls. So he speaks out and he says that he was put into foster care and eventually adopted. But what happened to the older sister? So Sandy's eldest daughter was named Suzanne Marie Savarkis, And according to the older son, he said that when Sandy went to jail, Frank slash Brandon took the four kids, and he split them up into different social service offices. So he didn't keep them together. He wanted them separate. But what? first, Yeah. I don't know.
1: Also, this guy is, like, really good at just dropping kids off at social services.
0: I mean, it is that easy. And, you know, like, when we were being bad, my mom used to be like, I'm going to take you to the – I don't remember where she said she was going to take us, but we were scared.
1: <laughs> to the circus, probably. <laughs> <laughs>
0: tell you. To the circus. <laughs> oh but yeah so he was taking them to different places maybe so they wouldn't end up together i don't know but for some reason he chose to keep sandy's oldest daughter suzanne now frank and suzanne were constantly on the go on the run and he would tell people different stories about their life liars just think that they're so smart but the reality is if you just keep lying eventually you're gonna get caught up in your lies which is what happened here. Right. So, Frank and young Suzanne, they're moving along from place to place. And at first, he called the girl Tanya, but when she got a lot older, her name became Sharon Marshall. So if you're confused, (laughs) if you're a little confused, like I was the first time I heard this story, let me just sum it up really quick. So Frank kidnaps young Suzanne and abandons her siblings and group home. Now at the time, he was her stepfather. He would abuse her in all kinds of ways. Then he eventually marries her. Then possibly, but more than likely, he murders her. But not just that, then he took her baby, who is still missing at this time, when all this is found out. So that is what happened here. Now later this same year in 2014, Frank admits to shooting and killing little Michael while they were both on the run. He claims he hid the body along the interstate, but nothing was ever found. Now, police conclude that Michael's body may have been eaten by wild pigs. Um, okay. Is there wild pigs running around Oklahoma? Yeah,
1: well, they call them boars, (gasps) but yeah.
0: That's scary. It's, they, yeah,
1: they're gross and they eat anything. Ugh.
0: So, because Frank admits to this... Police believe him, but honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if Michael was put into foster care under another name, because it seemed like he was pretty good at doing that. Right. I don't know. That's crazy. But again, that would be hard to determine. At this point, if he was born in 86, he'd be like, what, in his late 30s? N- not late 30s.
1: Mid Girl, we were born in 88. Like, <laughs> we're not in our late
0: 30s. <laughs> I'm 22. What
1: are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> i'm 22 you know me i have to look it up as oh we're
0: going oh god along. i knew you were so... gonna do that see every time i i tell i didn't want to tell regina anything about this story because i knew she was gonna look it up well
1: okay but my question is yeah are you gonna talk about his early life
0: um i didn't really mention his early life why he had a troubled past didn't he
1: it's 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 interesting
0: really none of the videos
1: i watched talked
0: about it well i'll let you go on okay i'm almost done so all i have to say about this case is that he was never charged for sarah or for sharon why did you say sarah marshall isn't that a movie (laughs) movie. movie. oh goodness (laughs) but yeah frank was never charged for sharon marshall's murder And to this day, he refuses to talk about her. Now he is still on death row awaiting his sentence for the murder of Cheryl Camesso. But yeah, this is a story that I wanted to share and...
1: He's still alive?
0: He, I think he's in Oklahoma.
1: He's 78 years old.
0: I was gonna say, I think he is alive because this was in 2014, so that wasn't too long ago. Right. Again, that's a whole nother thing. I, I never understand why if someone is found guilty of murder, why they keep them so long on death row. Mhm.
1: What the heck? That is such a crazy story.
0: It's just a lot a lot of stuff happening there.
1: Yeah, the um I was reading about the early life and of course his dad died, was an alcoholic at like thirty two and then He was, like, the youngest of five children. Wow. Um, And then they were put into a home because the mom couldn't take care of them.
0: Really?
1: So that's probably where he got this idea.
0: Wow. It said that
1: he was bullied by other children for being feminine and was reported to have been sodomized with a broomstick when he was six years old.
0: My God.
1: And then this was the staff that he was at. He was at a Georgia Baptist children's home. And they dipped his hand in hot water after he was caught masturbating. Oh Lord! Yeah, I mean, this is the type of shit that you're creating, a sociopath when you're doing shit like this. Yes, yes. Oh my God. So.
0: Yeah, I'm surprised I didn't hear that. I guess maybe because there's just so much information with this. But that's important. That's important. Um, It goes back to the article we talked about. Like, right, it, yeah. It's important to know why someone is the way they are, you know? And then again, he probably didn't even think anything was wrong with him.
1: Yeah, that is crazy. <laughs> and that, ugh. So, I want to know more, though, about um, Sharon Marshall. Because I know that you kind of started off with, like, their relationship. Yeah. But... But she lived with him the whole time, right? Like Yeah, it so a-
0: again, the only thing that uh, I heard is that he would just tell people different things. Uh, one thing he would tell people is that he saved her from an abusive family. And he was raising her as his own. I think that's why they stood in Florida so long. Because she got to finish high school there and all that. Because he had a good job. He was a painter. But then he hurt his back. And then mm-hmm. that's kind of when all his scheming started up again, and I don't know. I I kind of think that maybe he pressured her too to like not go to college and just start working, making money.
1: Being a stripper. Ugh,
0: her life could have been so different. That
1: is a crazy one,
0: man. So yes, I hope you guys enjoyed that story uh, as much as I did. It's wild. It's a wild ride. And like Regina said, it seems like there's still more. Like, we didn't talk about his past. And, yeah, I'd like to hear from people that lived around them. Like, what did they think of this man living with this young girl? And not just that. When they moved to Oklahoma, like, what did people think of this older man and this young girl raising a boy together, you know?
1: There's a picture of him with Sharon as a little girl.
0: Sitting on his lap. It's freaking creepy. Yes. I know what picture you're talking about. I might post that on my Instagram.
1: Yeah, that's a good one to post. Yes.
0: Before we leave today, I have a listener recommendation, not necessarily a listener story. I did the research, but uh, thanks to listener Jay Diaz, I was reminded about a crazy story that even 10 years ago still haunts Chicago. And I actually asked you if you remembered it. I asked my friend Joe if you remembered it. And you guys said no. But I remember this. It was on the news because it was so crazy. So, this uh, JD has reminded me of the story of a, a town, well a suburb of Chicago that had a cemetery. And what happened was somebody tipped investigators. This was in 2009 by the way. This was in July of 2009. Maybe because you weren't here. You you were in college already, right? Yeah, that, yeah. that's true. Maybe, and I think Joe, no, he was around. Maybe he was. I don't know. But maybe that's why. You guys don't remember. But yeah, in July of 2009, uh, somebody tipped investigators that a local cemetery in ALSIP uh, was digging up bodies and then reselling the plots. But not just that. It was claimed that they were throwing the remains in a remote area on the cemetery property, like in a ditch.
1: hmm
0: Now, police thought it was a joke, but they went to the cemetery and investigated. And what they found was that this had been going on so long that the people doing it, like, they didn't even care anymore. Like, they were being messy about it. They weren't even hiding it anymore. Now, one investigator said that when he got there, he actually saw a skull, not a skull, a jawbone with teeth sticking out of the dirt. Like, it wasn't even hidden. It wasn't even buried. It was just hanging out in a pile of dirt. Yeah. Yeah. So, the, the thing is that As horrible as it is, it was actually a pretty genius idea. And I wonder how long they actually did it. Because what they were doing was they were picking the oldest, oldest plots. And you can tell when nobody visits a plot because it's overgrown, dirty, you know. And plus the year on the plot. So they were picking like... (laughs) they were when
1: everyone's died we're gonna visit it, you know? <laughs> exactly
0: yes those were the ones they were digging them out and just throwing the remains into that ditch now this cemetery is well known because this cemetery was the resting place of civil rights icon Emmett Till so there were some very important people in the cemetery
1: so did they prove that Emmett Till was dug up
0: yes and I'll explain in a little bit how they knew that, yes. Now, Sergeant Jason Moran, who led this investigation, well, that he's the one who found the skeletal remains sticking out of the dirt. And he talked to employees and people who lived around the area, and that's when he realized that this was actually happening, and he didn't even know how many times it had been done. So, because some of the grave sites were so old, the records for those grave sites... They, too, were very, very old. So old that they had, like, molded and decayed to the point where you couldn't even read what was on the pages or any of the information. So what happened was they could only go as far back as five years to make a charge against the cemetery. Wow. So they only go back five years. Now, during the investigation they discovered that a lot of bones were smashed, pulverized, but over 15,000 bones were eventually recorded with a minimum of victims set at 29. But this is just what they could fact check from only a few years prior. So a lot more victims had not been found. Now, hundreds of graves had been desecrated, as well as theft and making money was involved. So this was a huge crime. Now, one defendant said that he estimated that anywhere between 300 to 400 graves had been affected. And among the damage, the deteriorating casket of Emmett Till was found under a tarp behind a garage. So that just shows, like, how disrespectful... They were in handling these remains. Now the Till family they were pissed, as they should have been. And, right. And so since this incident, the Till family were given that casket that was deteriorating, but it was restored and now rests at the Smithsonian. The cemetery manager Carolyn Towns, she received a 12-year prison sentence for her role. And back co operator Maurice Daly was given three years probation. And the foreman, Keith Nix, he drew a six-year prison term along with his brother, Terrence Nix, who received three years. But I think later on they took back Terrence Nix, the brother, they took back his sentence because they said there wasn't enough evidence to prove that he did whatever. Mm-hmm. So what happened to all the remains? Well, they're buried in a common grave where they were discovered. So they kind of just left them there. But they did give them a proper ceremony with the service. Uh, they even had like a priest come out and do a whole little ceremony. Unfortunately, Emmett Till's remains are also in the mix. So like, yeah, all his family has is that casket. That has been restored, but at least uh, one of his family members said that at least they have a place they can go to and remember him. So so thank well, you, great. Jay Diaz, for reminding me of that story. I forget about that. And sometimes I think I take for granted living around Chicago because a lot of shit happens around Chicago. And I should look more into that because there's a lot of stories to tell. Yeah,
1: <laughs> well, like it, it's interesting because, you know, cemeteries are only so big. And I mean, are you going to keep a grave that's like 100 years old? I mean,
0: I was I'm not going to lie. When I was reading all this stuff, I thought about it. And um, I, I did an episode on Bachelor's Grove Cemetery, which is like one of the oldest cemeteries around here. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that cemetery is going to shambles because those graves are like from the 1800s. And yeah. it, it got me thinking, like reading all this and thinking about that, you know, these nice cemeteries that we go to, that we have family in, it's like in a hundred years, I mean, who right. who's going to care, you know, who's going to care about that?
1: Yeah, I saw a TikTok video, I think it was New Orleans, where there was, it was a mausoleum and it was all torn apart and all of the, um, people that were there were from like the 1920s 1900s and it was just all torn up like people were pulling out the caskets um i think it had suffered some water damage so it's like yeah like if no one's gonna take care of it like it's you
0: know you know what they do in mexico because the cemeteries in mexico remind me of kind of the way they do it in new orleans um they have like those graves that sit above the ground sometimes Uh But they just have similar style of the way they bury. But in Mexico, you buy a plot, right? And then when your family is dying, as the years go on, they just throw them in there. And I believe my dad said you can have up to five people in a plot. So your bones are just mixed up with like whoever. It's weird. It's weird. (laughs) But
1: i don't
0: I don't that's i don't, I don't like to say it. Never mind. what
1: what say it i was gonna say you can fit all these mexicans in a car you might as well fit them <laughs>
0: oh all no maybe that's why we like to squeeze everywhere i don't know <laughs> <laughs> i just thought that was so weird but what i found even more weird is like and i don't know if it has to do with like finances because you know the people in mexico they don't make that great of a living. Mm-hmm. because I found it weird that... So, for instance, my grandpa's grave, right? Um, my grandma is very old, um, and she says, like, I don't have much longer, and I yell at her, like, oh, stop. Like, <laughs> please, stop. I remember... <laughs> funny story. Not really funny, but funny to me. Um, I remember the last time I went to Mexico, she was like, do you like those chairs? It was, like, her kitchen chairs. I'm like, yeah. And she was like, do you want them when I die? And I'm like, What? <laughs> <laughs> like, no, no, you're not gonna die, and she was like, yes, I am, like,
1: I think old people just love talking about their death,
0: well, my grandma, ever since my grandpa passed, I think she's just, like, she's ready, she's ready to go,
1: yeah, that was my husband's, uh, grandma,
0: yeah, and that's what, earliest
1: she... memory is of her talking about going to meet Jesus,
0: <laughs> and that's, yeah, it's all she wants to talk about, it's, she's just like, oh, who wants Who am I going to give this to? Or she's worried about like her land or her house. And it's just like, oh my gosh. (laughs) But yeah, I just, but what I was saying is my grandpa's plot. Because my grandma is getting old. It already has five family members. So I told my dad, like when my grandma passes, are they going to put her in there? Or do we have to get a new plot? And he was like, well, whoever dies next is going to go in there. And I'm like, what?
1: Have they thought about cremation to maybe save some space? Uh,
0: that's what it's going to come down to. Honestly, I, I told my family from since I could speak that I want to be cremated. And that has to do with me being claustrophobic. Like, just... So, no, I don't know what happens when we die, right? But I don't want my body to be stuck in a box. Just because it gives me anxiety just thinking about it. Yeah. And what happens if somebody brings us back to life, right? I'm going to be stuck in a box.
1: I want to be donated to science. Ooh. I had an anatomy class and I learned from a real cadaver. <gasps> Me too. So I want someone to look at my body and be like, wow, this bitch was fucked up. She had like one kidney. <laughs> like, no,
0: no, I don't want people to look at my body. But I mean, I
1: don't, I, I mean you're going to be dead. like. But I am, I am an organ donor.
0: I am an organ donor. But who knows? Like maybe when we're dead we can still see like what's going on and it's like I'm gonna get hurt because somebody's making fun of my toes. You know? So I don't nah. know. I, I remember that they kept a white cloth over their face so we couldn't see it. But I really wanted to see it. <laughs> and then I remember the smell of the what is it called? Yep. Formaldehyde the, smell? The phenol or... Yeah, that. Yeah. It was like a, you know, like a college room or a an auditorium so like we were all sitting up but he was like come down and touch the body so we all like took a turn like walking and like looking inside of it and then we had to go wash our hands behind the the seats and like I remember I was talking to somebody and I'm washing my hands and I'm laughing (laughs) and then I realized that the whole back of the wall was filled with bodies under sheets and then I panicked (laughs) I panicked and I was like, "Ah!" I had to get out of there.
1: Yeah, I I spent many hours with the I don't know. We'll call him Frank. With Frank, <laughs> Frank the cadaver. You know what? I never realized it's greasy.
0: Yes, it's oily.
1: Yeah, it's
0: all the oils that, was, that come uh-huh.
1: out. Yeah, I mean, that... I, I expect it, but also I was like, it's 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 like meat some and sometimes it's. I was gonna say
0: I I'm, I'm gonna be so oily because I'm already oily, I can't imagine the oils that are gonna come out of me.
1: <laughs> You're uh, gonna be oily and gassy.
0: That's why I just wanna be cremated. I just, just burn me up and then plant me into a tree somewhere. That's all I want.
1: And then the tree gets cut down. Yes. And sold.
0: Well, hopefully not for hundreds of years, mm-hmm. but
1: Okay, so some people are getting cremated and then taking those ashes and turning it into like a necklace or a ring.
0: I don't know if I want to wear somebody dead.
1: Yeah, like take grandma to prom. But <laughs> she would have wanted, you know. I mean, I guess
0: it would be nice like for like a wedding piece or like uh, uh that's about it. <laughs> I don't know. Take it well, on what my about, first like, date? A, a
1: water burial. When you get eaten by fishes.
0: Oh no. Uh, I think I did an episode where I talked about how you can become part of a coral reef. Oh.
1: Huh.
0: Yeah. It's it's nice, but like, I also saw where you can be planted as a tree in a new forest they're trying to make. See, I, don't I don't know
1: if I could do that because eventually something's going to happen to that tree. At least I know if I'm like a ring or something. I'll just be around. Even if I get lost, I'll just yeah, be like... But
0: eventually you're going to get tarnished. <laughs> or or rusty rusty. (laughs) (laughs) someone threw grandma yeah because I lose jewelry like I don't know what so don't give it to me please
1: (laughs) (laughs) Um. oh man I think I sent you that tiktok where it was like this woman died and she had a space ready for her husband and it was like it's been a hundred years I don't think he's coming and then the next video is He is buried next to his second wife, and I was like, "How rude!" Wow. She died before you, and here you go, just getting uh, buried next to your new bitch. (laughs) Like, I told John, that's not happening, okay? Because if I die before you, you you're gonna be carrying my ashes with you. Oh
0: goodness gracious! Your next
1: wife (laughs) coming with you
0: next to the bed on the bed on the (laughs) bedstand, the (laughs) nightstand.
1: And then when he dies
0: he's got to hold me in his hands
1: and then his, what? his new weapon can be somewhere over there but he's like hold me
0: oh goodness
1: oh, i'm not i'm not just gonna be like alone
0: so. oh you don't want to be alone honestly i don't care if they i just want to be cremated and they could do whatever they want with the ashes throw me in the lake throw me
1: anywhere <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll spread you behind panos.
0: yes in the dumpster. I don't care.
1: <laughs> oh, man. Uh,
0: well, thank you for joining me today.
1: Well, thank you for having me. Of course. I, I was, uh, I definitely did enjoy the plot twist of this, and I, I'm going to look into it a little bit more. Yes. That was interesting. Yes, of course. And uh, I hope he gets ass cancer and dies soon. So
0: <laughs> I know. He's lived long enough. Come on, Lord. Get him out of here. I know. Here.
1: Okay, I'm going to manifest... Ask cancer? You're going to manifest Use my powers for bad, but I just want to be like, Lord, it's enough. Let's let's end that.
0: Yeah, he's definitely lived long enough. And got away with so much. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed those stories. Make sure to tune in next time for another great episode of Creepy Chisme. Don't forget, you can find me on social media, y'all. I'm on Instagram, Facebook groups, and I'm trying to get back into the whole TikTok thing. Um, I've been posting some stuff on there, so go check it out. Just search Creepy Me, And don't forget, email me your stories or like J Diaz did, just give me an idea. I totally forgot about that, so thank you so much. Uh, just email me at Me for you. That's the number 4-Y-O-U at gmail.com. I want to hear it all. I want to hear it all, y'all. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, make sure to rate the podcast with a five-star rating and share it with a friend who might like it or just share it on social media. That's even better, y'all. Leave a review if you haven't yet. All of that will help the show and spreading the word. Don't forget to go check out Instagram, see some pictures from today's episode. Like, comment your favorite part, comment what you thought. Were you floored like we were? So yes, go comment and subscribe to my Instagram. I hope y'all have a great week. Gracias por escuchar y nos vemos pronto. Creepy Chisme is created for entertainment purposes only. Thanks for listening and don't forget, stay creepy and spread the chisme. Adios mi gente.